The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the City of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's Royal Visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. Yes, he's in the intensive care ward at Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle. You should have been pulled in the forefront they have faith in you. You should have been pulled in the fifth that they had faith in you. And you. You are now locked into the latest episode of the Hey! It's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Part of the Rotofanatic Podcast Network. Check out rotofanatic.com right now for Mike Carter's latest closing remarks. Every Sunday, a brand new closing remarks comes out, and Mike is here to help you get through these bullpen disasters. It's episode 86, the Clark Schmidt edition. Opening day came and wins, and now we are five days into the 2021 baseball season. It's hard to believe, but your hosts, Christopher Deary and Michael Govey, are ready to break it all down. Despite the lingering sadness of Fernando Tatis' injury Monday night, there is still a lot to cover and look forward to. The fellas are beyond stoked for this one, so strap in and get ready for the madness, because it's fantasy baseball at its best on the Palazzo Podcast. Take it away, boys! listen to podcasts on Tuesday nights in the Northeast region of the United States. That's right. It's a Palazzo podcast. Two L's, two Z's. Utah, give me two. We are back in business. Opening day has come and gone. The opening weekend has come and gone. And now we are officially in the full throes of the 2021 MLB season. Deary, you're back. You're with me. I'm with you. We're going to talk baseball. Officially have stats to review. No more preseason. No more ADP. No more shine or ride the pine. Actual results. Tangible results. How do you feel about it? I don't know what to do with myself. I've had two TVs upstairs basically since the start of the basketball tournament, and it's still going up there. Got the MLB package, so we got the quad box going up there with the a main game on the TV hooked onto the wall, and uh, it's just been baseball for five straight days. I've absolutely loved it. Wow. Yeah, it's a doozy. I'll tell you what, I'm glad that we get to finally talk some baseball results. We have bullpen crises. We've got injuries. we got players to look at who can provide us benefits down the road here with streaming, both for hitters and pitchers. There's a lot that we can talk about here on the Hey, it's Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast, which is, of course, part of the Rotofanatic Podcast Network. Head over to rotofanatic.com right now and check out our projections for the season so you could compare to what you've seen so far and of course stats galore articles galore we've got park factors we're also going to have schedule factors which we haven't quite been on top of we got to do better work on that but we also have phil goyette who's going to be on the show soon he's one of our prospect gurus he's got his climbing the rookie ladder 
I'd like you guys to check that out. Rotofanatic.com. Deary, what's the most pressing or what's the most indelible image so far from four days of baseball for you? For me? Uh, yeah. Just wondering if my guys are going to get saves or not. Um, luckily, I play in a couple saves slash holds leagues, so it's been great because these bullpens have been fluid. They're going back and no, forth. No, no, and no, they... no, 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 wait, 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 wait. No, what, no, what, the, what, what, what? the image. What is like the, the moment, the moment so far? What is okay. one moment from this opening weekend? You're like, whoa. I think it was fans being in the crowd and like hearing people cheer. Like I completely oh. forgot that like, I mean, last year there was no fans, so it just seems so dull and there was like fans getting up and cheering. Like it actually made an impact on me. No shit. Damn. Yeah. That's impressive. I, Damn. I, think that was, I think that's kind of the most precedent thing that really uh, kind of hit me over these last few days. I was like, Oh, there's fans. And of course you had 40,000 in Texas today. What? A, yeah. <laughs> it was a full house down there in Arlington or wherever the hell global life field is now. But what about Miguel Cabrera's home run in the snow? That was pretty cool. Wasn't it? That was great. I missed it. Because I was at work, I uh, I recorded the game and got to watch it later. But of course, uh, I saw many, many images and video of it happening. It's so funny because he slid into second base. I had no idea if the ball <laughs> left the park. Uh, but it was really interesting because it wasn't really snowing. And then he comes up to bat and it just starts like coming down. And then yesterday it was 70 degrees here in Detroit. So that, that's kind of how it goes in the Midwest when spring comes. It could snow or it could be 80 degrees. Yeah, two days before opening day in Detroit, I was out shooting hoops. It was 70 degrees in a t-shirt and shorts. And then I wake up on opening day. I get a late start on opening day because I sleep too late. I stay up too late. And it was massive snow in the footage I saw of the video when Miguel Cabrera cranked that oppo taco to right field. Yeah. But there was no snow on my ground. I live 20 minutes from downtown. There was no snow anywhere here. It was just very odd to see that the snow was so heavy. But by the third inning or so, there was no sign of snow around here at all. It was very It's almost weird. like it was just happening at Comerica Park and nowhere else. Here in Ann Arbor, there was like just a smattering of flurries, but you like would have to go outside and like really look for it. Like you couldn't see it from like a window or anything like that. Yes. Yeah, uh, I thought maybe you were going to say the uh, stupid ass song I did. That was the Billy Joel tribute to We Didn't Start the Fire, which was a really dumb video. I really no, enjoyed it's doing that. The greatest <laughs> video maybe of all time i mean over ten thousand views now on twitter i absolutely what? loved it showed it to 10, my wife views? Yeah, i showed it to my wife she was giggling her ass off she's like mike is insane and i love it it's a great video it's too bad you couldn't have gone longer but you got that two minute and 20 minute two, two minute 20 second uh time limit there on twitter yeah it sucks total bullshit i i just was sitting there on wednesday night you know i was giddy it was opening day eve i really was excited you know 162 game season after the short-ass sample size that we had last year, which was a joke. It'll always be a joke. In fact, as farther the time goes by, I believe that 2020 will look like more and more of a just, a, like, who cares? It'll, it'll be, <laughs> it won't be remembered for anything in particular except just being an annoyance and a disappointment. That's all. That's what its legacy will be. But I sat there on Wednesday night thinking, oh, man, I want to say thank you to all our guests we've had on because, you know, we had a shitload of guests from Chris Towers on January 7th on. And then I started, somehow I got, we didn't start the fire in my head. And I was like, oh, perfect. That'd be perfect. I could say something about lots of people. And I, I just started writing the dumb lyrics for that. And it no, was, you, <laughs> you ab-libbed it all live, right? Come on now. Well, that would have been incredible. No, I that, this one actually took multiple takes. It was uh, sure that's a did. really hard song to sing. It really is. Like the the breathing in it, you like run out of breath. It's, it's I've exhausting. seen I've seen one person do it live in karaoke. 
Well, that's what I somehow I was. That's what I thought of. I thought of our friend John. And, Correct. Uh, <laughs> uh, somehow I thought of him. That's how it all came together. I was thinking of that moment we saw him do that karaoke at the feast in 2013. It was incredible. Right. It was. I still think of that. That was. Amazing. Also, my only experience seeing anybody ever do, we didn't start the fire in karaoke. And it oh, turns he, out. He murdered it. Yeah, he was incredible. He did a great job. Like, how and can then, you breathe during that thing? I saw you struggling to breathe. Yeah, he was drunk and everything. He's never in shape. So that was incredible that he pulled it off. And then other people started coming out of the woodwork, like our friend of the show, Sarah Sanchez. Turns out she like used to memorize the song when she was a kid and stuff, and she was really into it. So there's a lot of fun stories that came from that, and I'm really glad that people enjoyed the song. Good times, noodle salad. Well, let's get to the chase here. So opening day, my the memory that I can think of from opening day the most is the Miggy home run because it just looks so cool. Mm-hmm. There just yeah. isn't one image. If you think of an image, everything that happened on opening day – and there was a lot of stuff that happened on opening day. There was, what did happen? <laughs> I don't know. I've watched too much baseball now. I can't even remember what happened that day. What you seem like, it, there was a sense of normalcy to me. Like, you know, we didn't have opening day till July last year. And like, I'm used to opening day and it being maybe cold in Detroit or maybe warm. And uh, downtown was just a ghost town, apparently. But uh, Oh, really? You know, See, yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah, it was just a ghost town. There's people, uh, you know, business owners downtown that like hopped on the radio and called in or whatever for the local radio show. And they're asking, oh, you know, what's it like downtown? And they're like, oh, it's yeah. a ghost town. There's nobody down here. I thought people would go down there and maybe try to tailgate. But I I imagine they probably locked down a lot of the uh, parking lots. I'm sure some of the bars were open. But I mean, I don't know how many people were that excited to go out and get to the bars. But for me, it was like just a sense of normalcy. It was back to business opening day. We got a smattering of games. And then and then I get frustrated because on Friday, it's like, oh, man, there's only like five games today. This sucks. I want 15 games. Yeah, that was a bummer. That was a letdown after the big orgasm of opening day. And then, oh, party's over. But we did have a makeup game with the Red Sox and Orioles playing a day game. So that gave some of you DFSers out there something to nibble on, which is actually something i have gotten into now so i have i'm playing dfs every day now and i'm fully invested in it i'm really trying to learn how to do it properly and do it right and i never really did that before so i want to give a shout out to uh, vlad sedler and everybody over there at elite fantasy i uh, i've got one of their subs and i recommend the sub if you want to do dfs and you're into dfs get the sub over there at elite fantasy it's fantastic they got daily streams they got daily gpp articles which is something I, I didn't even know what it meant to talk about cash games versus GPP, which is like tournaments. So mm, okay. I learned a lot. Oh, it sounds incre- that sounds incredible. I mean, it's an, just another avenue to enjoy baseball between having your fantasy and then the DFS. Like, you know, I mean, I, I imagine there's a lot of people that just do DFS now and don't do the yearly ground, grind of fantasy. I'm sure there's yeah. a ton of people that do both. Yep. I completely agree with that. Uh, so Periscope is gone, by the way. We're no longer on Periscope because Periscope's gone. I don't get it. Like, so, what's the replacement? Is there going to be a replacement here? <laughs> I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. We are How convenient it happens the day before baseball starts. Well, they'd had this set up for a few months. I knew it was yeah. coming. March 31st was the end of days for Periscope. So in terms of a live stream for Twitter, um, you got to go to our YouTube channel. You got to sub our YouTube channel. So please... <clears throat> Whoa! <laughs> Please sub our YouTube channel, which is Plaza Podcast, two L's, two Z's. Utah, give me two. And that way you'll always know. You, if you hit 
I'm sure you guys have watched videos. You have YouTube subs for other channels. You click on the sub button and you click that dingy ringing bell thing. It'll notify you when we go live. So if you want to watch the live streams or catch any of the videos, which I did over the weekend, we had, I did a weekend, uh, fab bids. I did a video for Sunday night about fab bids, which we'll talk more about on the show and, uh, opening day reactions. So I'll be doing videos during the week so you can catch those. So if you like the videos, please sub our YouTube channel. It's basically the best way to get a hold of it. We do have a Facebook page, which is also Plaza Podcast, two L's, two Z's. That's in your Utah. Head. Give me two. No more Periscope. Bye-bye. But it's yeah, not I mean, show every, today. Every, you know. Everyone's just going to have to get used to, uh, you know, following us and getting their sub. And then, you know, you get that notification. But, uh, I mean, before it was easier getting through twitter oh it's uh monday night at 10 oh yeah the plaza podcast on it's tuesday night at nine plaza pack podcast on wednesday night at seven plaza podcast is on yay yeah we don't have four or five shows a week anymore now it's just i don't know when our day is i'm we got to get back to basics somehow we'll do better but if you like the podcast just you'll always have the podcast feed so when we have new episodes you'll know it because it'll be in your feed but if you like the live streams, YouTube's the way to go. YouTube. And just for the record, we have a Twitch channel, which we probably need to update. It probably looks really shitty and lame <laughs> right now, like total garbage. And we need to do a better job of that. And I will uh, fix that up when this I can. Such a but we do shit. have the Twitch channel. So Twitch and YouTube, but we focus on the YouTube channel. All right. Well, let's get into leading off. First time of the regular season. <laughs> Okay, for today's leading off segment, Deary, let's talk about bullpens. I want to talk about the chaos that has gone down with Mr. Merriweather of the Toronto Blue Jays. There was massive fab bids going on on Sunday night and caused all this talk because there were some huge numbers thrown down. And I'm in, you know, I'm in the main event, which is one of the biggest leagues there is, right, in terms of money entry, $1,700 a ticket. And guys in main events were throwing down $300, $400, or $500 on a $1,000 fab budget for Julian Merriweather, who a week ago, a week ago, you and I were sitting here on a Monday night doing this pod. We would never have mentioned, we could have done the pod for five hours. We would not have mentioned Julian Merriweather. But was, now, not on, was not on my radar. No, he wasn't. I'll be honest. I, I, I had no clue. I really was not paying attention to him whatsoever. Nor was I paying attention to this fucking Your Mind Mercedes, which is another story. We'll get to that. That was amazing. Eight for eight. Fucking incredible. So cool. That was amazing. Chris Shelton-esque. Yeah. This is, you know, so funny you say that because that's exactly what I was thinking of was Chris Shelton. Anytime somebody has a hot April, I always and forever will think of the legend. That is Chris Shelton. Man, what a time it was. Anyways, so... Julian Merriweather is the hot name, but there's bullpen issues all over the place. I want to get your take now because I feel like paying for saves is something I've never done and I don't plan to do. Have you changed your tune on this issue with the bullpen issues that we see already after with guys like Cesar Valdez getting two saves out of nowhere, 36-year-old journeyman for the Baltimore Orioles? What's your take? I've been talking about this for four months that there's five or six guys that have locked down that closer role. They're going to give you 30, 35, maybe 40 saves. And after that, it's fairly clear that managers do not give a fuck about our fantasy teams. Um, you know, so you get, you got to go after guys that are going to pair with each other. So it, it's pretty clear to me. Yes, Merriweather has kind of taken over here, but it doesn't mean that Romano was just kicked to the curb. I think what's going to happen in a lot of different situations is it's going to be situational. 
it's going to depend on who's coming up for the other team, what part of the inning you're in, how many pitches a guy may have gone the the, the day before, or, you know, it, it, it's really going to be a, a committee with so many of these bullpens. I'm looking at Toronto. I'm looking at San Diego. I mean, even in Detroit, Soto closed one day, Garcia closed the next day. The A's, they have four or five different guys that have opportunities. We see what's happened with the Rays over the years. It looks like Castillo, which I'm not surprised is probably going to be that guy. But don't be surprised. Yes. Pete, don't be surprised if Pete Fairbanks gets some saves as well. It's you can't. I, I mean, people that went out and paid for Trevor Trevor Rosenthal. I heard you talk about this the other day. The guy's coming back from like arm surgery. I mean, sure, he came out last year and pitched what like 19 innings and was and was excellent. But he had been a disaster leading up to up to last year when he finally found a home. He was and an was, afterthought. It was, was really, gone. really good. Yeah. He was and a then, journeyman. It was over. And then everybody's just paying for him. There's those four or five, maybe six guys that you're going for. But after that, I don't know, man, it, it, you can go for guys that could possibly close way late in your draft, especially if you're in a DC or if, if you're going some type of draft and hold, go ahead and pay later. There's other guys that you know are going to be able to get, you know, opportunities later and and it's what i've done with a lot of my teams now there's a couple leagues that i do play saves and holds which i'm wondering if the fantasy community is going to have to start changing some of their categories based on how what's going on with some of these bullpens because i think it's going to continue going forward i mean yes. we've seen it with start with starting pitchers you're not going to see be many, that guy you're not going to see many starting pitcher, pitchers going late and it's going to be bullpen by committee Five, six, seven guys are going to be, be rotating in there, and it's going to be situational. Jordan Romano might get a save today. Julian Mer Merriweather might get two saves the, the, the next couple days after that. So it's a fluid situation, and really, you just have to pay attention to who's pitching the best, who might have the opportunity to, to be next in line. But, I mean, it's, it's clear to me that managers don't care about our fantasy feelings, and I'm okay with that because I did not overpay for closers. Could it what? Sitting on ass? Yeah, there's a lot of closers that you wanted to get saved to you that will be sitting on their tookuses tonight and tomorrow. And by the way, Yancey Eaton has popped in. Hello, Yancey. Thanks for stopping by. He wanted to say hello before he went to Betty Bye. Good night, Yancey. And he got a Deary Beloved F-bomb right there, which is fantastic. We haven't had a Deary Beloved in a minute. It's good to be reminded of that because nobody ever said that before. So we got we to gotta work that in the show more often. That's my fault, too. I take responsibility for that as we go forward. We also are going up against the national title game right now. Uh, that's something we should be aware of because it's 10-18 on a Monday night here live with the Hans Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Pod. I don't even know what the score is. Are you checking the score or you don't even care? I, I don't even care. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, don't really... I, I didn't watch the Baylor-Houston game, and uh, I wasn't going to watch the Gonzaga-UCLA game. And then I watched the second half because I saw it was close. And then it ended oh, at least you like, got to see that. It ended up being like a really epic ending. And yeah. I mean, I missed it entirely. The few brackets I did, I picked Gonzaga to beat Baylor in the final, and they're both in the final. But I, I don't know, man. It's Wrong! baseball. <laughs> and, you know, once Michigan got, got bounced last week with one of the Dang. worst performances I've ever seen, you give up. Yep. There's the truth. Finally came out. Yep. Once Michigan lost, I was totally bummed out. There was a terrible loss. It was a stupid loss. I don't care what UCLA did against Gonzaga. Michigan should not have lost that game. It, I know that it's a nice season for, you know, it's Juwan Howard's second year, and we should be excited. But they had the opportunity before them, and they couldn't make a field goal for the last five minutes. Yeah, they played the worst game of the year, and they picked the worst time to play the worst game of the year, and they let one guy beat them. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it was Juzang. That's all it was. Johnny yeah. Juzang over and over and over again. Oh, wow. Anyways, I, just checked, I, just, wow. I just checked the score. Baylor's up 10 at halftime. Wow. Okay. Gonzaga could be exhausted. But if you're listening to the podcast of this or if you're re-watching the live stream, you're probably already aware of what the final score is and you do not care. So sorry about that. All right. Bullpen-wise, Jordan Romano. Everybody paid a bunch of money for him last weekend, and now it's Merriweather's turn. Cesar Valdez, will he last? Probably not. Tanner Scott, opportunities in Baltimore will still come to you. But Diego Castillo is actually the guy I would have paid for, and if you're fortunate enough to have drafted him prior to the season starting, you're sitting pretty now because with Nick Anderson being out, probably, I mean, who knows if he comes back this year. It's a long shot. I like what I've seen from Castillo. He got two saves over the weekend. Two, I dug it. I have him in about five or six deep drafts where I took him at 350, 400th pick, like took flyers on him. And now, you know, Pete Fairbanks is another option. And Chaz Rowe, I think, went on the IL today. So that's another arm that they don't have to worry about. I think Diego Castillo will actually be, it won't be like all Rays, all Tampa Bayed out. I think he's going to have... Thirty, I think a thirty save season is very much in play here. I really do. Well, I, uh, what what we've seen in the past few years is Nick Anderson has been the most talented guy in the bullpen, but it doesn't mean he is their ninth inning guy every time. It it's just what I talked about before. It's situational. If it's the sixth inning and the bases are loaded and they got a two run lead and they need to get a couple outs, Nick Anderson's coming in the sixth and then he'll pitch the seventh. Two days later, he may finish the game. I mean, they did the same thing in the playoffs. They are going to use their best option based on their analytics and what he has to go up against for a batter. But yeah, I mean, maybe Castillo is the guy that will stick there. And maybe if he does, that's 30 to 35 saves, especially with Nick Anderson being out. Castillo is the most comfortable in that situation because he did it the most over the last couple of years. So I think Tampa will probably stick with that. And they're probably not going to be bringing him in a little earlier like they did with Nick Anderson. You're all trying to make sense of these bullpens, just like we are. And I want to let you know that Michael Carter, Mike Carter, Mr. Dr. Mike Carter on rotofanatic.com does his weekly closing remarks. It comes out every Sunday, so you can be fully prepared going into your fab bids, which I still do this. I still do it. I got to get even more ahead of my fab bids than ever. I keep telling myself and other people on Twitter, I, I post on Friday night, like, hey, make sure you're working on your fab bids. And I was starting to do it, but then I never got back to it. And I put myself up against the goddamn wall again. I'm so stupid. Why do I do this to myself, Deary? How many I. leagues do you have to be prepared for fabs on Sunday? Not not many. It's not okay. a lot, but it's, it's six, I think, five or that's, six. That's a lot. I have one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I, I've done the, I did the drafted holds, so yeah. I and the best balls, so I don't have to worry about that. And right now, I'm loving them even more than I yes, already did. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, God, I love. It. I don't have to do shit. Just it just lets the stats speak for themselves. Mark this down on this show right here, Mike. Remember this. You love best ball much, much more, even more than drafted holds. I just want to do best ball. I don't want to even set my lineups. I just want the stats. I agree. to Speak for themselves. I'll do <laughs> cut lines like Raz Slam. Cut line is where you have two fab periods the yeah. whole season, and it gets broken down into playoffs that come out in basically a consolation bracket and a winner's bracket. That's cool. I'm down with that. Two fab periods I can handle. But these daily, weekly fab periods, especially in these big money leagues like the main event, they're, these, it's hardcore, man. It's really hardcore, and I don't know. I, I'm a little worried about it, but you know, don't <laughs> worry about me. Just remember that Remember that Mike Carter can help you with bullpens on rotofanatic.com with his weekly Closing remarks. Bookmark it on Rotofanatic. 
Doctor.com, please. We are going to need help more than ever, and nobody better than the doctor, Mr. Mike Carter, to help us out, because I know he will put in the work, and he will put out some of the best information in the game. Here, here. I completely agree with that. Well said, sir. So what about the Tigers bullpen? Uh, Gregory Soto or is it Garcia? Are, are you expecting a committee here? Because I, again, I picked up Soto in a lot of draft and holds, taking flyers in like 550th pick, you know, 600th pick, depending on time of offseason. I think Soto's the guy, but he gave up a home run when he got his first save, and then Garcia got the second save, and the Tigers haven't won since then. Yeah, I, I, I mean, with the Tigers, uh, you have Soto, who's a lefty, who clearly has the best stuff in the bullpen. And then Garcia's a righty who doesn't really strike out a ton of guys. I think the next day, they just didn't want to go Soto back-to-back days. They want to preserve that arm and not really ramp it up too much. So I, I think it's going to be a fluid situation going back and forth. Now, if Brian Garcia just completely falls apart, then maybe he's not going to be in an, op- an option at all in the ninth inning. But we saw it with Soto. He's got really good stuff, great strikeout stuff. Gave up a home run there in that first day, but the Tigers had a good enough lead to be able to hold on to it. But it's not like I see the Tigers winning a ton of games, so this these these aren't guys that you're super focused in on. But my question for you, Mike, is a guy like a Jordan Romano or a, a, another guy that you, you uh, an Emilio Pagan, maybe you thought Emilio Pagan was going to get all the shares and saves. Do you drop mm-hmm. these guys or do you hold on to them because they may still be able to give you some good ratios out of the bullpen and then give you some you know saves here and there? Uh, it's very format dependent, you know, in deeper leagues, I would hang on. But if you're in fab situations like 12 team leagues, this is where I made a huge mistake. And I want you guys to learn from my error. Deary, learn from me on this. I screwed up because I was not adjusting my lens. 12 team versus 15 team. There's very different lens with both of those. You want to, you want to take chances on guys in 15 team leagues, but you can't take the same chances and hold on to roster spots that are providing nothing for you in 12 team leagues because the, the pool isn't as shallow. So there's really good teams in there. And I made the mistake of doing that. So if it's a 12 team league, I think you got to cut bait with some of these guys without a doubt, because there's going to be other guys that have to do the same thing you're doing. And then if it doesn't go your way, if Pagan gets cut and then he somehow gets back in the rotation, you could pounce on him later or another guy in another bullpen. If Cesar Cesar Valdez falls out of favor in Baltimore and gets cut and then he gets another opportunity, you can bounce back on the fab bids. Now this is weekly stuff. If you're talking daily, I think it's even more likely that I would do that. Okay. Because there's going to be other guys that have to do the same thing. There's going to be a constant carousel of closers. Beep, 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 you know, that whole well, I, I, I think what I'm noticing right now in the several 12 teams, I have a 12 team, I have a 14 team, and I have a 16 team. In both my 12 teams, I'm making like daily streams right now, even with hitters. And a lot mm-hmm. of it has to do with the fact that I had a lot of Nats and a lot of Mets. So I missed out on those games. Oh, and I just, yeah. I just couldn't fall behind without playing guys. So I've made five or six moves, just daily moves back and forth. <laughs> Yeah, the whole Nats-Mets thing was a total bummer to drag down my opening weekend. It did, because I had a lot of guys I wanted to use, like Jeff McNeil, but I couldn't use him. He was just sitting there, so that was a bummer. And then you had to make the decision. We're recording on Monday night, but you had to make a decision today about what should I do here? Should I start Nationals on weekly leagues where you have to lock yeah. in your lineup? But what would you do? 
What did that's you do? You're in TGFBI. You're, you know, so you have to make these choices. Yeah, it's it, it's tough. I mean, you got to keep your ear to the grindstone and figure out what is going on. Whether they are going to play, are they playing tomorrow? Are they playing Wednesday? Are they pl- are they playing at all this week? I mean, from what I've heard, is they should be able to get going maybe tomorrow or Wednesday. But yeah, weekly weekly setting your lineups like I, I know that takes a lot of the headache away from it. But I think it's an even bigger headache when we're in a situation where we are, where we have COVID. We'll see what happens with some of these other teams. Hopefully, we can stay away from COVID. But man, it's tough when you got to sit Juan Soto for three, four games, and then you have to make the decision whether you're playing him this week because who knows how many games are going to happen? Are there going to be double headers, which might help you out, or maybe it won't because maybe these guys won't play both games of a double header? Exactly. There's a key difference between giving up on a guy and waiting on somebody you believe it just hasn't had the opportunity. I didn't drop JD Davis of the Mets, for example in a 12-team league, because I still feel he could provide value, I held tight there. But any other player, I feel that is going to... If you're going to have a guy with a starting role, you just can't let him go. And you have to look worse in the short term. It may look like you're a fool and you're sacrificing points in roto standings in the near term. And I think you just got to live with that. Because that's the nature of COVID, and that's the nature of doing leagues that have weekly lineups as opposed to daily, which I I can't, I used to love daily. I grew up on daily lineup setting, but I kind of like the fact that I can do a weekly or a Mm -hmm. bi-weekly like TGFBI where you set your hitters on Monday and you can reset your hitters on Friday, but the pitching is set for the week. Yeah, I kind of like that where I don't have to worry about it anymore. Well, yeah, in terms of like giving up on guys, we're five days in. I mean, if if you're in a league, I'm sure you've put in the work. I mean, we've put in six months of work researching these guys and being prepared for our drafts. Then our drafts hit and we did everything we could to create the best teams. I'm not cutting bait on some of these guys that I drafted because there's a guy, a guy like Brady Singer. You brought him up the other day. Like, oh, I believe boy. I believe in Brady Singer. He just he couldn't locate. And when he did, it got murdered. And he, he went up against a lineup that was crushing the ball these first few days. I still believe in him. I did sit him in one of my daily leagues because I just didn't need him because I have Barrios and, and Burns. And, you know, I, I got off to a great start pitching. I've already hit my... Uh, minimums innings pitch so I didn't have to pitch Brady Singer but I'm also not dropping Brady Singer I'm going to sit on him he's going to have some better matchups throughout the year it's the first start of the year you got to give it some time damn I mean JD Martinez looking amazing tonight by the way he's crushing the ball and the Red Sox have broke out of their slump by scoring 11 runs congratulations JD well done we like JD here don't we yeah sure he's okay no as a guy as a player I like him as a person you see oh I always root for him but yeah, as a player, I did not draft him. I do I not have, have him a, anywhere. Yeah, I don't have him anywhere. And no, the Red Sox. The Red Sox looked absolutely garbage town in those first three games against the Orioles. It was fun to watch the Orioles put the hurt on the uh, Red Sox. I think the Red Sox will have their struggles this year. I didn't think it was going to be with the top five or six guys in their offense that really struggled. I thought the struggles were, was going to come from their pitching staff, but it looks like they're back on track tonight. Yes, though they're totally busting it open against Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay's offense, there's going to be cause for concern. Randy Rosarina has not looked great in the open. I know it's only a few days, but if we're looking at instant analysis, all we have to go on is what we have before us. Randy Rosarina made a great catch, but we need offense from him. And I don't know how many times also I'm going to fall for fucking Yoshi Tutsugo. He never does anything. And I always think he's going to do something. They hit him lead off. They give him all the opportunity in the world. I know it's early. Maybe I should chill out, Mike. Just chill out. All right. No, cut him. 
Go against everything. Go against everything well, let, you just said. You're going to cut them Okay. Out. So in the spirit of what we just talked about with dropping in 12 versus 15 team leagues, I'll give you all the names that were dropped here, and you tell me if any name... You could stop me anytime you hear a name that you like of a player you'd want to have on a 15-team league. This is from my TGFBI. These okay. are the drops. Uh, K. Riss Davis, Trevor nope. May, nope. Chris Martin, Miles Mikolas, no. No. Jaron Duran, no. uh, Kyle Wright, Josh Fuentes. Mm, maybe Fuentes, but no. Kyle no. Wright, no. Yeah. Willie Calhoun, no. Right? I mean, he's hurt right now. But Willie Calhoun looks to be the odd man out as well as David point, Dahl yeah. kicking ass. David Dahl's kicking ass early. Yeah, that was a good move by Texas to bring him in. But, I mean, what are they going to do with Calhoun now? He's someone that uh, I thought could maybe have a bounce back because he's shown smatterings of being pretty good here these last few years. But, I mean, he's out now. When he comes back from injury, he's going to be kind of the odd man out right now. Uh, Yimi Garcia, Jonathan Hernandez, elbow issues. Now, Yim, okay, so so Yimi's interesting because so Yimi's pitched in a couple games. I do have him in a saves hold holds league, and he's Yimi. he's he's looked pretty good. And Anthony Bass did not look good the other night and got shelled. So that right there could be a situation where Mister Yimi might have some opportunities over the next week if Bass continues to not perform well. Okay, I I'm the one who dropped him. I'm busted. I dropped Yimi for Chris Davinsky of the Diamondbacks. Okay, all right. Hey, who it could, it could be, be something where in two weeks you're picking up Yimi. <laughs> I know. I, I liked Yimi as the speculative yeah. to the probably likelihood that Anthony Bass would blow the job. I really thought that he would eventually. Maybe not right away, but over time. Plus, uh, shout out to our guy, Chris Marr from Baseball Pod. Really hot on Yimi all offseason. He really mm-hmm. sold me on Yimi. Yimi Garcia. But what I saw from Chris Davinsky, he came in, he gave up a home run to Fernando Tatis. Anybody could give up a home run to Fernando Tatis Jr. But Davinsky was dead again. This, this is the Trevor Rosenthal story. He's out of baseball or he's injured. I hadn't heard of Chris Davinsky in a minute for damn sure. It's been, and it's been two years. He was lights out when he was healthy with the Astros. Yeah, he remember he was like their kind of long man and then their closer like their swing at the same guy. time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he was great, uh, but he, then he disappeared. But I actually like him now. I don't like Joachim Soria. No, I don't want anything to do with him. He was hurt, too. He left the game on Sunday, I believe. Uh, I don't know the detail. I have to follow up on the injury, but you guys can do that by going to Wherever the hell it is, you guys look for injury stuff. He threw one too many sliders because that's all he can throw. Oh, that's sad. I got to tell you, Soria was never an interest of me. I liked Kevin Ginkle, who had a nice inning, but he was brought in in like the seventh, I think. And then you got Stefan Crichton. He was also brought in earlier in the game. So I don't know what to make of it still. I think it's still pretty cloudy. Do you have a clear picture of any of those relievers? As no, you you just, you got to pay attention every night to see who's getting who's getting the innings, and even look at um, you know, guys who come in and maybe lights out for a couple innings, and they are not centered in as being the guy who's going to close. But pay attention because they could end up getting opportunities. And the way the way Fab is going to work this year, the way free agency is, is going to work, there is going to be a lot of different bullpen arms that get shares on many different teams in your league, especially if you are in like a, a league where, you know, you're not playing a best ball or, or you're playing, let's say 12 or 14 teams. You don't have a ton of bench spots. Things are going to be fluid and things are going to be going back and forth. You may own a guy three or four times that comes out of the bullpen. 
Wow. Ugh. Oh, man. Oh, doctor. Well, it's a mess out there. I do know that. I like Davinsky. That's a nice play. But in terms of closers and bullpens, Godspeed, everybody. Maybe the people who drafted Liam Hendricks, who did not look very great in his first outing, by the way, or the mm-hmm. guys that drafted Josh Hader are going to be the geniuses. If those of you that took him in you know, the fourth round, the fifth round of 15-team leagues, maybe that's the stability. You know, Hader provides stability, right? You would you would hope so, but I mean, there's there's been times in you know it's it's similar to a Tampa situation w- with Nick Anderson. I understand that like Hater could go out you and go out and get you forty saves, but if he is the most important guy in the bullpen, sometimes that game is won in the seventh or eighth innings, not the ninth inning, and you have to bring in your best guy. Okay. Hey, I'm watching Carlos Rodon pitch right now, and I think it's fantastic to see him on the mound and starting again. I really hope it goes well. He's got to run around with two outs and a full count to Evan White. And I'm really excited because I love that slider. And I actually read the story today that he got reinvigorated by his wife. I guess she, like, kicked him in the dick and said, Hey, man, you got to get your life. You've been non-tendered by the White Sox. You're, You're toast. And apparently she got him motivated, and he started training and getting in better shape and I don't know. I mean, that's a classic spring training story in a sense. Somebody got in better shape, right? But if Carlos Rodon's healthy, he's on a good team, and I like his slider a lot. It's got to be tough for a guy that was a big-time prospect, absolutely lights out in college, spends spends little time in the minors and makes it up to the big leagues and looks okay, and then it kind of all falls apart. That's got to be really tough on the mental game, and I'm glad his wife, you know, is – Hopefully reinvigorated him and he, he's on a good squad. Maybe he can find some of the – I mean, he still has the stuff, right? It's just – it's different at the major league level, man. Sometimes it takes a few years to figure it out. You can't get down on yourself after, you know, one, one and a half bad years. You got you to stick to the grindstone, man. That's a good point, Deary. The mental aspect of this game can kill you. It's one of the most mentally challenging games of all the sports that anybody can play. No doubt about it. And uh, Rodon just hit Evan White on a 3-2 pitch, which is not a good sign. In fact, if you're listening to this after the fact. (laughs) Yeah, we're just pumping up Carlos, and now it's all gone to hell. Anyways, you're listening to the Hanson Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast, part of the Roto Fanatic Podcast Network. I am, of course, Michael Govier with along with Christopher Deary here. We're talking opening day weekend. Looking forward, we got bullpen chaos. Drops, Julian Merriweather was... $420 $420 bid in my TGFBI league. $420. Amazing. Any guess on what the runner-up bid was? 280 103 Holy shit. So someone spent yes. half their fab money on a... On okay. a potential closer. Potential, yes. potential closer. Yes. It's, wow. it's crazy. What can I tell you? Don't forget, it's Plausible Podcast, 2Ls, 2Zs. Utah. Give me two. Make sure you subscribe and get the notification dingy bell for our YouTube channel so you can get notified whenever we go live or whenever we give you any new videos. I've said it before. I'll say it again. It's the same old shit. You guys know how this works. Just hook up with us so we can continue to provide you the content that you love. So in the spirit of that $420 bid for Julian Merriweather, it's time to play a little game. Uh, I don't know what we're calling it yet, but it's time for... Guess that runner-up bid. <laughs> All right, Deary. So I'm going to give you this a player. Is, this is fun. 
Yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, (laughs) it should be interesting. Because I think the hardest thing to do is figure out how much money you throw out on a fab bid. I have no idea what the science is behind this. Well, that's part of the reason why we're going to do this, too, because we need to learn. Yes, yeah. we want to we want to know the numbers and it'll give us perspective so we can see the kind of numbers that go out based on team size, uh the type of league it is. But we need as much information as we can with these fabs. You know, Vlad Sedler, I mentioned him earlier in the show, he's known as the Fab Whisperer because he's he writes his own article every week, which is a really good article by the way. Uh strongly recommend it. But <laughs> I don't know if you can master knowing what someone else is going to spend, especially if you don't really know the person that well. If you're in these public leagues where you sign up for big money on NFBC or in a Yahoo public league or an ESPN public league where you just joined and there's fab, you don't know these people, right? How are you supposed to know what they're going to do? Yeah. And besides not knowing what they're going to do, like I think there needs to be like a ceiling or a threshold of the limit that you would go up to, like a percentage of your fab money that you would throw out on a guy depending on the value the guy could give to your team. There's got to be some some algorithm out there. Maybe Vlad has it, and maybe he can whisper it on over to the Palazzo pod. That would be really helpful. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm excited to get into the, into these, uh, whatever we call this game. <laughs> yeah, name that runner-up bid. All right, so I also want you to, you should pull up your TGFBI, because I want you to play the game for me, too. I want to guess as well. So I'll go first and give you a couple while we get the ball rolling here. So... In the Tag Team Satellite League that I play in with Eric Cross, my guy Eric Cross, shout out to him. Hope you're doing well, Eric. Uh, we have not done well with our fab bids. We've been very, 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 very low on our fab bids so far. Julian Merriweather in this league. $317 was the bid, the winning bid. Can you guess the runner-up bid, Deary, in this league? This is a 15-team Roto, two-catcher, five-by-five standard issue. And for everybody, we're talking with $1,000 fab money, right? Yes, of course, right. Yes, $1,000 budget for the season. 318 was? 317. 85. Not bad, not bad. 99. That's pretty good, dearie. So, you you know, remember that one. You were in the right right, uh, ballpark there. Julian Merriweather was added while Dalton Jeffries was dropped. Unfortunate that Cole Irvin... Got a spot ahead of Dalton Jeffries in Oakland. I was a little disappointed about that. Um, that's too bad. Mark Melanson was added for $271. Mark Melanson of the San Diego Padres already has two saves. What was the runner-up bid, Erie? $59. Ooh, not this time. Mark Melanson was highly sought after. 237 This was a closer. Very close. I don't know if he sticks for the whole season is that that back-end guy. I think it's going to be situational there. I think they have three guys that are pretty solid. Melanson's the old guy of that group. Can he really hold down a bullpen for a team that is going to be competing for a playoff spot for 162 games? I don't know. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. The mystery continues. Uh, you got one for me? I don't know. Yeah, let's go Jonathan India of the Ooh. Reds. Winning bid, $65. Hmm. I love Jonathan India, by the way. I wish I had more shares of him. I, I can't believe I just forgot about him. He was a top 10 first-round pick a couple years ago out of Florida, I think. Um, Florida has so many players that come out of there. Hmm. You said 85? 
65. Oh, 65. Uh, I'm going to say the runner-up bid was 62. Ooh, very close. 63. Ooh, all right, good. I had, a, I had a feeling he'd be very popular, and if 65 was the winner, I assume that someone else... Because what? here's something I do. I, well, I guess I shouldn't give it away, but it's not a secret. You know, I always try to put $1 or $2 beyond the, the $10 point. Like, instead of 20, do 22. Mm-hmm. So instead yeah. of 30, do 32. Yeah. I like that. Uh, so not, that's not, what I was thinking not, there. Not dead on the number. Not a nice round number. You got to get something crooked in there. Correct. Yes. Give me another one. Oh, man. There were not many. Over the last two weeks here, there were not many runner-up ones here. Let's go oh, with really? uh, Yeah. Okay. There's only a handful. Um, oh, that's all right. I got a shitload of them. So. How about this one? Yermin Mercedes, 150. 150. Yermin Mercedes was incredible. Eight for eight. Nobody had done that since like 1901. It was amazing. What a story. The Chris Shelton... We got yeah. I need to put together a package like the Chris Shelton <laughs> moment, it, it, like a little intro I do for the Enrico's Inquisition. The Chris Shelton Player of the Week is a, indubitably your mind Mercedes. But I'll tell you, what was the number again? I'm rambling about your mind Mercedes. One fifty. One fifty. Jesus Christ! Will Smith just hit another home run, dude. He's <laughs> damn it. Yep. Get pissed. I'm pissed because. I really, I, I really liked him, and I let yeah. people talk me out of him. That's my fault. I take responsibility. I'm responsible, but I'm pissed because I love his talent, and I figure in this year he was going to get to go off, but everyone's like, oh, Austin Barnes is going to take away too much of the playing time, and then what you if you average it out, where you're taking him, you're losing stats at that spot. But if you hit 30-plus home runs, you're not losing out. We've Even talk- if it's in a less amount of games. We've talked about just sticking what you believe in, but because yes. we've had 45 guests on since January 6th, there's going to be a handful of guys that will talk us out of it. I mean, well, I'm I dr- an open-minded guy. I've been against Blake Snell all offseason, and then I took him in my home league. And what does Joel oh. Frederick do? He, I, I took him as my second pitcher. What does Joel Frederick do? He texts me and goes, I thought you hated Snow. You traded him. And I'm like, yeah, but, but where he is in this position, like I want to grab two or three really good starting pitchers here. I'm, I'm going to grab him here. So I, I did go against my, my thinking that I was happy. I was also kind of hedging my bet to where it was like, okay, if he is shit, then I'm right in all my other leagues. But if he's great, then I, I was the one smart guy to do it, even though wow. I shit on him. Nice job. Well all right. Done. Your man Mercedes. 150. 150, yes. Uh, this is a, a big, big name for Fab this past week. So I would say 150, huh? I think somebody would have gone as high as 92. How about there was no runner-up bid? Oh, my goodness. You totally got me there. There's a, there's, a, there's a lot of these. There's just no, like, I mean, there's another one. Cesar Valdez bid yes. 77. There was a runner-up on that. 77? 77 uh, was the bid? Yeah, 32. 15. Hmm. So with Mercedes, oh. going back to Mercedes, it's clear that there's 14 other people in this league that just don't believe in it. Yeah, see, I think there's... Sometimes you can read the room, because what I did there on both those bids is I did go way lower than what the bid that one was, even though I got it wrong, but I still was in more of a ballpark, even though it's not zero. But I figured people were either going to really try to claim a guy like Mercedes... Or go kind of low. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, hey, just take a shot. If it doesn't work out, I'm not. 
Because I think there's a lot of people who think, eh, this is a flash in the pan. He's not a good catcher at all. He's horribly defensively. So maybe, you know, as a utility-only player, he also doesn't have a lot of value right now. Something to think about. But then again, J.D. Martinez is utility, and he's killing it. So who the hell knows? And Shohei Otani is utility, and he's killing it, by the way. Love Shohei Otani very, very much. Let me give you a couple more. We'll close out this game. And Donovan Solano went for $29. Donovan Solano of the San Francisco Giants, 29 Had a great year last year. And he's off to a great start. He's 7 for 14 already. Donovan Solano went for $7 in my league with no runner-up bid. Um, what did you say, 29 $29. We'll go with uh, 15 Oh, well, that's not bad. 21 21 You're on the right track there, though. And by the way, Cesar Valdez in this league went for 65. What was the runner-up bid for this league for Cesar? 52. Very good. 55. That's good, though. That's good. You're on the right track. Well done. So anyway, you know, this is how these things go. It's a mess. We're trying to give you guys some insight. We're not the experts, but I feel like the more we talk about this and the more we analyze these runner-up bids, hopefully we'll get a better understanding. But you'll never know more than if you actually talk to the people in your league and kind of get a feel for them, you know, feel them out. Have have a DM set up, you know. Yeah. We have a DM set up for our TGFBI league where it's all the participants mm-hmm. in our Twitter DM so we can all talk. You know, use that to your advantage. Set up a, a DM. If, if, if you don't have a private chat set up with all the people in your league, then you should be the one to initiate that change and make it happen. Yeah, everybody will love to be a part of it if, if, if you haven't. Uh, no one said anything since we drafted, but uh, when during our draft, uh, there was chatter going on back and forth. Uh, I think everybody's just freaking out because they probably have way too many teams to talk to me right now. <laughs> uh, let me give you a couple from a 12-team point of view here quickly. This is 12-team OC, which is a $350 entry fee. And uh-huh. Emmanuel Clase, Classe, Emmanuel Classe went for $137. Wow. $33. A little higher, $73 in this Okay. Year, $73. Uh, Julian Merriweather was the big bid of the week in this one for $278, just for the record. Runner-up, uh, 190? That's pretty good. 211. 211. Gosh, that's a, that's just a lot to throw out on the fifth day of the season here. Well, one thing I've noticed about these these OCs, 12-team leagues, is the bids overall, even on the most highly sought-after players, are lower than some okay. of the free leagues, the 15-team leagues yeah. where there's... Yeah. But also, paid leagues, they were spending more money. So I don't know. <laughs> It's our bold pal, again, Cesar Valdez was taken for $81 in this 12-team OC. 81 That was probably higher than the other two numbers we had. It was. Yeah. Runner-up? Mm, 62 28 Oh. Much lower. Much lower. It's, it's yeah. one of those things where, like, you put your fab bit out there and you're like, oh, I really hope it's it's high enough. And then in my league, my TGFBI, in the case of Yerman Mercedes, like, oh, man, I threw out 50 bucks when I could have got him for two. <laughs> Last week, I picked up Josh Rojas for $82 in this 12-team OC. Oh, he's off to a hot start, right, Mike? Day? Not looking good. Oh. Fool this man! But no! I picked him up for 82 bucks. I thought Josh Rojas was last week's... Julian Merriweather. He was going for outrageous <laughs> sums all across Fab's 
everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they saw him leading off, and he had a great spring. Yeah. You know, made the team. He had the incredible PCL run one season. He hit like 330 with 30 home runs. But I paid 82 bucks for him, and I won in, the, in this league last week. And the runner-up bid was only 13 So okay. these are different different staggered results every week is fascinating but we'll keep playing this game because it's a fun game to play too i i put 12 dollars in for gregory soto in this oc there was one bid any guess i won the 12 dollar bid so there was a runner-up bid on gregory soto this ten, weekend 10 no one dollar that's somebody oh, threw a man. buck out there <sighs> I guess I overpaid for Greg Soto at twelve dollars, and, it's, and he's it's, not clearly the closer. So you know, we're, yeah, I mean, we're going to have to talk about this every week because it's the only way we're going to be able to get any type of understanding of uh, of what people are really bidding, the value of guys, how much of a percentage of yours should you go after a guy, and yep. really interested to see what happens with Yerman Mercedes going forward. I mean, he could be dropped here in the next two weeks, or he could be end up in the MVP race. Who knows? Oh my gosh, that's true. You're listening to the Hans Rico Blonzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast, part of the Road to Fanatic Podcast Network. I completely forgot to do the housekeeping. I didn't do that. I can't 50 minutes that. in, we get some Belvedere. <laughs> Great. Yay! So, uh, of course, I want to say thank you. I already said thank you. The millions and millions, I mean, not millions, but there was a ridiculous <laughs> amount of positive returns on my Billy Joel cover. That was just in tribute to all the great people who came by and they gave us they gave us everything it was fantastic they gave us so much knowledge and we learned a lot and we got to meet new people and we developed relationships with them so thank you all thank you for the positive response on that i want to shout out to patrick ryan uh i did the first ever plazo pod for a fantasy league i did that with him over the weekend that's in the can i it was pretty cool i didn't know how it would go but patrick ryan's Molson Triple X League will always be the very first fantasy baseball focused individual league pod. And uh, we had a good time. We broke down their league, made fun of some of the bad picks, uh, commended the good picks. And it was a great time. It was really cool. And it's kind of fun to you to get immersed in somebody else's fantasy league when you have nothing to do with it. But you, you get like they have traditions and you get led into all the routines and all the the guy who's the shit most shit faced at the draft who makes the dumb pick, you know, things like that. It's pretty cool. Well, you're drinking Molson Triple X. I mean, as soon as you said Molson Triple X, I couldn't stop thinking about the time when I was 19 and I got <laughs> pulled over at the border coming back because in Canada you can drink at 19 and we're coming back yeah. to Michigan. And I had a couple cases of Molson Triple X, got stopped at the border, and they let me through, but not with my Molson Triple X. Mm-hmm. Not cool, man. Yes, we had a lot of experiences going over to Canada as 19-year-olds because you could drink. In Michigan, Detroit, and Canada, it's like right over the river. It's re- it used to be even easy before 9-11. We turned 19 in 99, 2000. So we right before everything changed with border wars, we had it made. I, I hit in a trunk once. I, they threw me, we had too many people. I'm not kidding. I seriously was in the trunk of the car coming back from Canada into the United States. You could never, I would never do that now. Never. Yeah, it was a quick 45, 50 minute drive from where we were living. You get over the border and there's not many questions asked. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, we're going to the casino. Oh, we're going to yeah. the bars. Like, they didn't care. You get some garbage hotel to pack like 15 people in there and then you try yep. to drive back the next day. <laughs> yeah, they dealt with that shit all the time. They, it, it was just like routine. They didn't care. It was yeah. just a different Things changed so much after that. But, yeah, we used to do that all the time. It was a lot of fun. 
Those were the those were the days. We go to Don Cherry's. He had a bar there. There's all those bars. The first time I ever did karaoke at a bar was actually in Windsor. <laughs> yeah, I did Billy Joel. Actually, I, I'm not kidding. It truly was. That was my first bar karaoke experience. I did Piano Man, which now is like totally cliche and not cool anymore. But at the time, it was a different you know different time and place. I made a lot of mistakes in Canada. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, I've made some too, but the one thing I did right was, uh, Leanne, hello, my girlfriend. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, I miss her, and I'm Many really glad later. that I met her. That was a smart... They almost didn't let me through the first time I met her. I almost never would have met her, and this would never be right now, because they thought I had a DUI, and in Canada, you can't you <laughs> no. can't come through the border if you have a DUI in America for some reason. They, yeah. they will not let you through. I think we both and... know a lot of people that are probably banned from Canada. <laughs> Yes, I told Leanne if we ever got married, we'd probably have to do it in Can in America because I got a couple friends who couldn't come over the border. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, they, somehow they thought I had a DUI, but it turns out it was just a weird traffic ticket, and uh, I ended up going to see her. So it all worked out. Yeah. Anyways, this is supposed to be about housekeeping and thanking people, <laughs> and uh, we're talking about Canada. But anyways, yeah, thanks to everybody who has contributed to this show. It's a lot of fun. Me and Deary have been doing this for 15 months now, and... It's been a positive experience. I, I don't see any negatives from it. Like, I love talking baseball. We love talking about baseball. We love meeting the people we do. There, there's been some bullshit that goes on on Twitter between people in the fantasy baseball community, which I, me and Deary, we don't get involved in that stuff because, like, who cares? Like, that's not what this shit is about. We're supposed to have fun, learn, and build relationships, not, like, bring people down or, like, we can... Maybe it's a fine line when you rip on someone's team <laughs> and then you still want to be friends with them. But I think you have to be willing to accept criticism about your teams as opposed to being given personal insults. That That's not cool. That's a different story. No, not at all. The one thing I've loved about this community is that we can jab back and forth and make fun of maybe some of the picks. And, oh, you took Mondesi. Oh. And then we're laughing about it like a week later. And you got to be self-deprecating. But... You can't do personal attacks against other people. This is supposed to be something that's fun, and it's why we joined the community, and we've got nothing but love from everybody else, and we will also show the same. Absolutely. Yeah, if you're cutting people down in public all the time and they're not cool with it, like, there's one thing if you're trading jabs and it's all playful fun and in the spirit of, yeah, yeah you make fun of me, I make fun of you. We're all human beings. We're all going to be self-deprecating. But it's different if you're going to call people out at their own expense and also call people out for doing shit that, you know, we all have done, like lineup issues or calling people out for doing things that you think is not ethically appropriate for a league or some shit like that. You'll never solve those issues on Twitter in a public forum. You have to talk directly to the person that you have the issue with. You have to communicate with them directly, privately. You don't make it a, a public beef. That, that would be my stance on There's been like four instances over the last month where mm -hmm. i've seen them i've seen them but i've stayed away from them but i've yeah. witnessed them i'm not a moron I, I i just don't engage in those things because you don't get anywhere by arguing and getting into fights on twitter there's no victory to be had there's nothing but pain and agony waiting for you trust me i've been there when social media first started i used to get into those things <laughs> in like 2009 2010 and i realized oh my gosh this is never going to change i gotta stop doing this no it's the biggest downfall of social media it's why uh, so many people have cut out from it and aren't a part yeah. of it anymore and 
Sure, I still have my Facebook, but I don't necessarily engage. I engage on Twitter because it's all like really, really positive baseball talk. And you see other pods getting great follows or someone you know, you know, did awesome in the main event or won a DC and everyone's just cheering each other on. That's what I love. Yes, yes. And TGFBI is something created by Justin Mason. It's supposed to raise money for charity and it's supposed to give new opportunities to people who didn't have them. That's it. That's what it's supposed to be about. It's not supposed to be about ripping on people and being negative or and naysaying and trying to be like the overall purveyor of authority on every particular league. There's 29 leagues within TGFBI. There's a lot. So, yeah, we're morons. Me and Deary, we don't know shit. We're not better than anybody else. <laughs> we're just a couple of bozos talking baseball. But we do know how to apply past lessons and mistakes so we don't make them in the future. Generally, we'll probably still make more mistakes, but there's some that we've actually learned. That's all. That's my two cents. Now it's time to call. Now it's the baby. Now it's time to play a little thing, a little game, a little segment. It's called I Was Wrong. <laughs> I Was Wrong. And for those of you that are watching the live stream, I would be playing I Was Wrong by Social Distortion. I was just going to say, are you going to play Social D? <laughs> yeah, it'll be on the podcast version. So those of you listening right now, you're actually hearing the Social Distortion. So. I was wrong, Deary. It's time for you and I to admit, even though it's only been a couple days into the season, I'm already wrong about a few things I'm pretty clear about, and I'm ready to go. Do you think you have anything you'd like to share with us? Yeah, I'm sure I can come up with something here. Okay. Well, right off the bat, I mentioned this. (laughs) You know, I was wrong about the DH coming to the National (laughs) League, and I got even more excited on opening day eve when I saw the tweet from you, Darvish. You know, I made fun of myself for this already, but I wanted to make sure I got it clear on the podcast episode. So I was totally wrong. I still hedged my bets regardless. I didn't think it was a guaranteed thing because I did not draft guys like Dom Smith. I was still very anti-Dom Smith, and Dom Smith did not start tonight Mm -hmm. on opening day for the Mets. Mm -hmm. Kevin Pillar did, you know, so... I, I didn't take it as an absolute certainty, but I thought it would happen, and it didn't. So I was definitely wrong about the National League DH, the Universal DH coming. The players are clearly as pissed as I thought they were, and they're not budging on a damn thing. Well, maybe Blake Snell goes further into the game the other day if he wasn't going to be the next guy up in the next inning in the in, in the bottom half of the fourth, and they, they had to pull him and do the double switch there. Yep. That's a good point, too, man. But Blake, <laughs> two things about pitchers that can't go through the third time in the order. Blake Snell didn't look so great third time through. Nick Pavetta tonight didn't look so great third time through. Although he did get through it, he didn't fall apart. So I do give Nick Pavetta credit tonight for doing that. Well done, Nick. That's optim- optimistic look from Nick Pavetta. Uh, something you were wrong about. Anything come to mind? I don't or know. You feel th- like you might be wrong about it. You're, you're early, well, like, oh, I might have been wrong. Well, it, it, it's hard for me to come down on players that aren't performing yet. But what I've been touting for a long time, and, and a lot of it had to do with Justin Mason talking about, you know, going after dependable guys, guys that you know are going to be there. Paul Spore said the same thing. I've done so much research here in the past four months. I'm getting prepared for my 16-team league. It was the Wednesday before opening day. I'm like, all right, I am more prepared than ever. I'm going to go for all the dependable guys. I'm not going to chase these these guys that I've done in the past where I'm like, trying to get guys that are right on the cusp of being good or, or rookies. I'm not going to do that. What do I go out and do? I draft Andrew Vaughn. I draft Jared Walsh. I whoa, draft Nick Senzel. Whoa. I draft Aaron Savali. I draft Brady Singer. It's, I'm looking at my team afterwards. I'm like, what did I do? But genius, here's, genius, genius. Here, here's why this happened. So several people in our league 
listen to this podcast and ah. have heard about many guys that I like. And it seemed very odd. I kept getting sniped two or three rounds earlier than what the ADPs were on guys that I really liked. And I was getting furious. Now it's also a one minute clock. So it's like, I'm throwing guys in my queue constantly. And there were several times it got down to the last second, what I was going to do. Now I, I, I still am pleased with my team. Cause I really like what I did with my pitching staff, Nola yeah. Snell and Barrios three studs in the top six rounds. I'm really happy with what I did there. My offense might be suffering, but I have really, really great starting pitching, but I went away from what I'd been saying for four months saying I'm going after dependable guys. I'm going after Michael Brantley, which I did end up going after him. And then he gets hit in the wrist. So he's out tonight, but man, I went after guys that I said I would not go after. So Chase McCormick, dude, you see that guy? I hope it works out for me. You see what Chase McCormick looks like? (laughs) Chase McCormick. No, I don't. Oh God. It's so good. I'll have to pull up a picture. It's legendary. Anyways. Yes. There are moments where we're going to be wrong, and we're not making final declarations on being wrong yet. I, I, I'm not going there yet. No. I'm I'm just telling you I was wrong about that. But there's other players I'm starting to feel like uh, I may have I may have been misguided on. That's – I don't know how to put it any better than that because it's only been four days, like you said. But there's players that maybe I wish I had shares of that I don't. And I think J.D. Martinez is already one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Because he is still a good hitter. He, I mean, he. the video was gone. There was legit reasons for me not to like him. But I, J.D. Martinez, I think I was wrong about you, buddy. I think you're going to have a great season. You're going to get that stock up and eventually probably be trade bait for the Red Sox, depending on what they want to do. Wrong! Most likely. I was wrong about J.D. Martinez, I think. I'm, I'm going to go full confidence on that already. I think he's going to have a great year. Even though it's only been five days, <laughs> I well no, I, I I think with a guy who has a proven track record like JD Martinez, and you know he came out and talked about many of the reasons why he had such a difficult season last year, and if he comes out of the gate right away and and is solid, like this is a guy who's been doing it for several years now, so there's no reason to believe he's going to fall apart now. So maybe we both were wrong about JD Martinez. I don't think we talked about him a ton on the podcast. I don't think I talked about him much. Maybe maybe you did on some other no, we pods. Didn't. No, we really didn't. You're right. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think of a guy like Tyler Glass now. Neither of us were in on Glass now, and he was pretty lights out through his 77 pitches for the Rays. Yep. That's that's another one I've been thinking about too. He he's their ace. He like he they're depending on him. They're going all in on Tyler Glass now, and they know what they're doing generally. So yes, he looked outstanding. And that doesn't change the fact that he still doesn't have the full repertoire, but I got to keep an eye on that. I'm going to keep my eyes glued to glass now. I'm not changing my mind on him just yet. I'm not. I tell you what, we were, I was watching the end of the Yankees game and uh, Chapman came in for the ninth. They were up seven to two or whatever. Chapman oh. has added a sinker and it's fucking deadly. And he was also really? throwing a hundred miles per hour. So he had his 100-mile-per-hour fastball, his lights-out slider, and then he threw a sinker that looked like a slider, but then you saw the spin of it, and you're like, oh, my God, that's a 90-mile-per-hour sinker. Wow. Damn, dude. That's like prime Garrett Richards. That's going to be amazing. Yeah, it looked really, really nice. Wow. Okay, that's cool. Well, you know, we're going to be wrong from time to time, and we want you guys to know that we're always culpable. We're ready to admit when we are wrong and why we are wrong because we are just regular Joes. We're just a couple of dudes. And there's going to be players that are going to be revelations. Like, you're mine, Mercedes. I never heard of you. I never heard of your mind, Mercedes. I he was not, not brought up on one podcast that anybody no. has done. 
If you're out there and you listen to this podcast and you have talked about him leading up to your draft, kudos to you. I don't believe <laughs> That is bullshit. Yeah, if you said that, yeah, you're my Mercedes gonna have a breakout season. Yeah, that's bullshit. Absolutely. I told Janice Scurrio the other day on Twitter, I'm like, Janice, we had you on for the White Sox preview. You never mentioned your mind Mercedes. What's up with that? <laughs> she probably just, didn't even know him. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, I was just giving her shit, but that's the kind of that's the kind of thing that happens in baseball. There's all these names that just pop up all of a sudden still. And we've been analyzing a lot. We're not lazy. We've really been into this stuff, and there's still names. I was like, Oh, who's that guy? Who's that guy? Like Merriweather and Mercedes. I admit those are two guys I really didn't have any knowledge of. And maybe that says something about me as a failure as an analyst. Fine. I don't care. But I'm going to be truthful about it. So, Just well, we're sure talking we're about over 600 players that are going to make these squads. I mean, you're not going to know every one of them and their role that they're going to have leading off. And I mean, shit, everything's going to change next week. This is how fantasy baseball is. And you got to be on top of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ty France did hit a home run over the weekend, so I still feel good about some of the guys I liked. Ty France is going to be fine. Um, Yohan Mankata had the was the platinum sombrero. That's five strikeouts in one game. <laughs> it's over. Drop them, trade them. Oh, my God. That was bad. It did happen over the weekend, but that's all right. That's going to happen. Shohei Otani looks incredible. I love I, I think the hitter, the hitter. We love the hitter. We talked about the hitter all offseason. Mm-hmm. Totally down with the hitter. But mm-hmm. maybe I'm even getting in on the pitcher now. I know he had five walks, but he's got the stuff if he gets it organized. Could be yeah, it's, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, so he uh, – and he did something that hasn't happened in what? Like 100 years he pitched and hit to start a game? Yes. So cool. I loved it. I'm so you know, glad that, they're letting the training wheels off. That Angels team is going to be fun. Uh, you know, I got yes. really frustrated because Jared Walsh did not start opening day. They gave that to Pools, And then a lefty came out the second day and Walsh sat the second day. And I'm like, what is this crap? I have so many shares of Jared Walsh. And what happens? He comes in last night, hits two home runs, including a three-run walk-off. I haven't checked into what he's doing tonight, but I know he, he got the starting in tonight and was batting second. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. That's fantastic. All right. There's so much to be excited about. We know a lot. We give you the best that we can every day. Every time we do a show, we give you everything we got. And we're going to keep doing it all season long. All right, let's talk innings pitched. This is something I'm not ready to say I was wrong about yet. But they're clearly, on opening day, people started panicking because Kenta Maeda got pulled early. Uh, Friday, I think it was. Ryan Yarbrough and Pablo Lopez are going head-to-head. Marlins versus Rays. They're both pitching a great game. It's a 0-0 game. And then they both get pulled at 77 and 65 pitches. And then uh, everything fell apart. The bullpen's blew. So (laughs) I'm hoping there's going to be negative pressure on these managers for more of these. If, If pitchers get pulled early, starting pitchers that get pulled prematurely at like 75 pitches, 70, 80 pitches even, and then the bullpen blows it. I'm hoping that there'll be more of those opportunities so that starting pitchers will still get their time. Yeah, I, I, I kind of dug a little deeper and tried to see if it was kind of true across the league. I mean, you had Glass now that went 77 pitches. Yarborough pitched 65. And then I was looking back into 2020. Yarborough's first start last year, he pitched 69. His second start, he threw 87. In 2019, he had several games where he pitched over 90. So I, I think it's kind of those first game jitters where the you know managers really are still ramping up some of their players you look at some of the young bucks like a woodruff alcantara 
and Burns, you know, those guys were 78 to 87 pitches. I mean, that 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 game with the Twins and the Brewers the other day was absolutely unbelievable. 20, the first 26 up and down for the for the Twins and the Brewers, yes. Burns against Burns. And, Burns? and yeah. I have both of them. 25 strikeouts between the two guys. It was unbelievable. Barrios got pulled. He, he threw 84 pitches, but they're like, hey, you know, we got to have this guy for the long haul. And then you look at guys that like are injury prone or coming back from injury. Corey Kluber only threw 74 pitches. Julio Urias threw 79. I think that's kind of going to be the spot that he's in for the first couple months because, I mean, he had a devastating injury several years ago, and they're going to need him to be you know important moving forward but there are also a bunch of guys that threw over 90 Garrett Cole Max Freed John Means who was also lights out in his opening day start Trevor Bauer had a no hitter going in the seventh until he gave up four runs Lance Lance McCullers had over 90 uh, Zach Wheeler Ian Anderson Jose Urquidy and Mr. Cueto Johnny Cueto threw 105 pitches in his first start that's unbelievable I mean that is that is so fetch Incredible. Well done, Johnny. Keep it up. <laughs> yeah, so it's just no, so it's just really interesting. I mean, uh, I would not panic after this for the first day. I mean, if you, if you go back historically, this is how it's going to be done with a lot of teams. They're not going to go 100 pitches, but there's also going to be some some trepidation here. There are going to be some squads that if they are not deep in pitching they're not going to ramp their guys up and have them pitch too many they're paying so much for arms now um you know the fastball is up a tick than what it's been over the last decade the average fastball now sits at 93 miles per hour 10 years ago it was at 90 and i don't know how an arm can take throwing 200 pitches at 95 or you know 200 innings where several of those innings you're throwing fastballs at you know 95 plus i mean everyone's makeup of their arm is different but Sure. I, I, I truly think that, uh, you know, bullpens are so much more important than they've ever been. But I wouldn't completely freak out on some of these numbers early on. Keep an eye on them as the weeks go on. You know, if if Ryan Yarborough's first five starts as this lights out, but he's only throwing 70 to 85 pitches, that's going to be concerning. Oh, doctor. I'm sorry. I'm... What are you watching there? Uh, something happened to Tatis here. So I'm trying to rewind oh, it on the no. MLB TV. Here we go. Tatis swing and a miss falls to the ground in agony on a swing and a miss strikeout, and he's not getting up. Core this is really weird. His core, it's his ribs. It's the old Aaron Judge swing too hard. He's hunched over home plate. This is bizarre. He's swing and a miss striking out, and he's holding his arms inside of his body, dude. It's really weird. I don't know what happened there, but it's. Oh no. I do know that uh, High Song Kim replaced him the next inning. He's out, so keep an eye on that. Oh boy. Uh, Mike Trout just hit a Yambo first of the year. Woohoo! There it is. Mike All Trout's right. first home run of the year. Always a special moment on the Plaza podcast. Woo-hoo! Mike Trout hits his first home run of 2021. He was due. Congratulations, Mr. Trout. Uh, but Fernando Tatis, I love Sung Kim a lot. Oh, he's holding his wrist now as he walks off. His arm is in agony. So I don't know what the fuck this is. Bad news for Tatis owners, I will say that. But no Sung Kim, yeah, I don't. I think I drafted him once or twice if I got the first pick. I might have took a chance on him. Overall, Song Kim, though, I like. He got in to play some outfield as well. He's going to give you dual eligibility with shortstop and outfield. I'm a fan. I, he was a really good hitter over on the other side of the ocean. Give him some time. He's on a really good team. A lot of run scoring opportunities galore. That squad will rake 
no matter who's in that lineup, nine times out of ten. Anyways, you brought up a lot of good points with the pitching limits. So you're not worried overall. Is that what you're telling me? I, I'm not. Uh, no, I'm not worried uh, overall. But, you know, I was thinking about this earlier. Like, if you're in a league that has quality starts, like maybe you just yeah. got frustrated with wins and you went to quality starts, maybe it's time to go back to wins because quality starts are becoming more few and far between of pitchers even going six innings uh, because so yes. much is based on what is happening situationally in a game where it's like, we saw it the other day. Okay, Glasnow's only at 77 pitches, but even without Nick Anderson, the Rays love their bullpen, and Kevin Cash will throw guys out there based on who's coming up to bat. And, you know, it's it'll, it'll be really interesting. You know, we did the shine and ride the pine on quality starts, and I was always going under that every time because I, I just think the way the league is now, so many pitchers strike out a ridiculous amount of guys. A guy like Blake Snell throws so many pitches because he throws a ton of sliders, works all over the zone. Maybe he doesn't walk a ton of guys in many of his starts, but he got to a lot of 3-2 counts the other day. And he ended up getting a ton of strikeouts in that game, but guys are pitching 100 pitches, you know, 90 to 100 pitches in only like 5 innings now because it, it's not 1-2-3 you're going right down the plate anymore. You're really working the zone. Yeah, I don't know, man. If if you have quality starts, maybe it's time to time to get off that and go back to wins. As much as that could be frustrating for people in your league. Yeah, the Glarf, the Great Lakes Area Roto Fantasy League, is quality starts, and specifically in that league, I avoided Hazelus Lazardo when I could have took him because I'm like, this guy, I'm not expecting quality starts from Lazardo at all. I mean, if if he gives five innings and he has ten strikeouts, that's great. But I need guys that can give me. Quality start opportunities, and they're few and far between. They really, really are. Are they not? God, Lusardo the other day, he had seven strikeouts, but he just made several mistakes, and the, the Astros just took him yard, which is really frustrating. I was really, really excited about that first Lusardo start. Now, I'm still on Lusardo, but to your point, Mike, I don't see him as someone who's going to pitch deep into games, especially with the repertoire that he has. Like, he's going to probably be all over the plate. He may strike out a ton of guys, but he's going to get to a lot of three-two counts. Uh, just for the record, I did end up drafting Lazardo in Glarf. So apparently I changed my <laughs> mind and I said, even though he wouldn't give me quality starts, it was still worth all the strikeouts. So that's okay. the decision. Update to myself that I need to be aware of. Well, you, you know, you're not just playing quality starts here. You got all these other categories. Yeah. You got to play. You got to play your ratios. Yeah. That, and Steven Matz is also on my Glarf team and he was incredible today. Definitely gave me a quality start, a dominant performance against the Texas Rangers on the road. Steven Matz time. I actually, this is something I didn't know. Two things about streaming pitchers for this week. Steven Matz, I was somewhat interested in. He actually exceeded my expectations, no doubt today. But then Matt Shoemaker. I didn't know that Matt Shoemaker was from Detroit, and he pitched at Eastern. I had no That's idea. That's right. Yeah, he's from Wyandotte, and he pitched at Eastern Michigan University, the old shoe man. You knew that? Why didn't you tell yeah, me that? Yeah, I don't you know. Me that? Yeah. I needed to know that. Yeah. Because I learned it today on the Twins radio broadcast of the pregame show. They had a whole yeah. interview with him. And I was like, That's funny. He, and he had like dominant numbers at Comerica. So I ran over to the only league where I had daily pickups. I picked him up, and I put him right in the starting lineup, and he dominated the Tigers today. So. Well, good that's job, one of the classic here. cases where it's a perfect stream with a good matchup. Um, it, it, you know, I mean, the Tigers aren't going to be a team that's going to score a ton of runs. And Shoemaker does this every once in a while. He goes on these little small runs where he's going to give you some value. 
He's never healthy. That's all it is. He's talented. He's a good pitcher. He's got a big-ass repertoire of pitches to work from. Even uh, Rocco Baldelli said so on the pregame show. I will give this as a tip as well. If you guys don't do this, we all have MLB TV packages. But if you don't use the local radio cast, I would consider throwing that in the mix once in a while because I learned something today that ended up being beneficial to my fantasy team, and I applied it. You might get more local information from guys or interviewing pitchers and hitters. And, you know, we get so much broad coverage on the big networks that it might be uh, worth your time to occasionally, you know, pop in on these radio broadcasts. Not the TV ones so much, but the radio ones. They really, they got to entertain you more. So they got to provide you more information. I dig it. Yeah. Great I learned. Great job. Woohoo! Uh, anything else on innings pitch limits? Uh, we're not worried overall. I'm a little concerned. I'm a little worried about it, but I still think there's light at the end of the tunnel, and you just have to make adjustments in the meantime while other people are playing under the same set of rules. So no one's going to have a huge advantage except maybe Trevor Bauer owners. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. They paid a lot of money for him. <laughs> are they going to yeah. want to burn that arm out right away? I mean, that's no, another thing. These, these These teams pay so much money for these players that it's like – Okay, do you get the best that you can out of this guy for this year and go after your championship and run that arm ragged and have him pitch 230 innings? Or yes. do you want to hold him back because you have him on a long contract? No, but he is different, though. I'm I'm not here to speak up for Mr. Bauer. I'm not a huge fan or anything, but he is unique. He's not afraid to be different with his whole pitching mm-hmm. regimen. You know, he long tosses daily. All these things that he does that they tell you not to do anymore – He's defied conventions. <laughs> he has. It, oh, I'm talking from a pitching angle. He truly has. He's yeah. always done. I was actually, when Trevor Bauer was breaking into the league, I was a huge fan of his because he did everything differently. He had this whole different setup of how he trained and how he threw daily. And he was defying convention of the time of the, make sure we baby these arms. He was different. <laughs> and he was proving He was proving you could do this. So, then he opened his mouth, though, and had to be a fucking asshole all the time. Kind of ruined it. But up until that point, I really respected the way he trained. So I think people who took a chance on Bauer in drafts might be, they might get an advantage because I think they're going to let him fly. And that was part of the deal signing with L.A. They're like, all right, we know who you are. Let you be who you are. Go do your thing. Pitch seven innings a night. Cool. He still he still gave up four runs. Well, that's the one other thing I, I think I mentioned in a tweet over the weekend is, yes, you will get all those extra innings, but are they going to be innings that you want? If you if Because I'm, I'm going against him this week, and I was just like, man, this sucks. And then, uh, you know, I'm playing my buddy Mike Ring, our, our buddy, friend of the podcast. Hey, Mikey! And I'm, I'm sure he was hey, like, buddy! dude, I'm sure he was like, get Bauer out of there. Get him out of there. He's got a zero ERA. But he had that no-no going, so he had to keep him in. And then, like, boo, launch bad. Yeah, that's the that's the other side of the coin there. Yes, you get more innings, but are they innings that you want? These are the questions you should ask yourself every time you are making fantasy choices with your pitchers. All right, I think we covered a lot of baseball for now. Anything else we didn't cover? Anything else left unsaid, Deary? Yeah, it's kind of kind of a bummer that there's been some injuries. You know, a guy like Key Brian Hayes goes down. He's on the DL. Um, you know, several other guys. Brantley's going to be out a couple of days. Josh Donaldson, who we didn't talk much about because I think it, it's it's over just because his legs are done. He goes down the first day and he's on the DL. And there's a bunch of other guys on the DL as well. And, uh, you know, it, you talked about it, Mike. Guys are going to get hurt. Um, historically, this is what ha- has happened. I, I went into Sport Track today and looked at the amount of injuries that have 
been going on in the league. You know, back in 2015, 416 players hit the DL in that year. Hmm. 2019, just five years later, 574. It has been an uptick. It's been an uptick of 50 players on average every year. And then you look at last year in the shortened COVID season, 456 players. So that's a little more than a a little. It's about 100 less than 2019, but we only played 60 games. So you're probably looking at the same thing this year. We're looking at upwards to 600 players hitting the DL this year and hopefully – you don't get hit hard because this is kind of the world we live in. Guys are hitting the DL. Although, although people are in the best shape of their lives, maybe, <laughs> maybe these guys maybe these guys have too much muscle. I was reading this article the other day about like yes. the reason some of these some of these uh, you know guys get so many leg injuries because maybe they have too much muscle. It's not like it was in the '80s when you got Alan Trammell running around with these peg legs. And, you know, he probably never got injured. But look at a guy like Ioannis Cespedes. There's probably a reason he's not on a team right now because he's had leg issues for his whole career. But look at how massive his legs are. Maybe these guys are too big. Thank you. This is the argument that Chris Towers made in an article he wrote a while ago about Giancarlo Stanton. Big fuckers. These guys are huge. Six foot five, 200. There's a certain weight you get, 250 pounds or more there was a prevalence of these types of bigger dudes getting injured more often. Mm -hmm. Something that we need to continue to investigate further and unpackage so we can find out the truth. Because Giancarlo Stanton could crush a baseball, but he can't do it if he's sitting on the bench on your IL. I mean, he's crushed that home run today. Classic Stanton, that's what he does. He's one for 11 on the season with a 471-foot grand slam blast. That's that's what you get with this guy. And I don't know if... uh, I wonder if the end of the season will have more IL stints or not. I, I'm going to say I was always my feeling we would. So mm-hmm. if you were to ask me today, hey, what do you think, Mike? More IL stints this year than 2019, not last year? I'd say yes. And Brian Hayes is somebody I didn't really have. I avoided. That's just bad luck. I don't, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's, it's not like we predicted he would get hurt or anything. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm really concerned about how the innings get filled with pitchers. That's one of my major concerns right now. And that's, you know, I, I was thinking, uh, and I couldn't find the historical data on this, but I wanted to know how many DL stints there were back in the height of steroids. Oh, like what? Well, it was like a hundred in the year. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised at it all. It was like man. Steve Finley got hurt, and that was it. <laughs> Hey, Brady Anderson, he got hurt for a week. And then uh, Ken Caminiti, he got hurt after his MVB season. He died, though. Uh, he's dead. Yeah. So, sorry, Ken. Wish you good luck out there, Ken Caminiti. He was a, yeah, no reason to talk about Ken Caminiti. I'm getting depressed. I will tell you this, though. You know, some of the things I'm seeing tonight on a Monday night in baseball, Dustin May looks pretty good. Seven to nothing. The Dodgers are murdering. Oakland's offense is dead. They got murdered by Houston. 35 to nine. They were outscored over the weekend. Now they can't score a run against Dustin May. And this Dodgers offense is stupid. I know they were Coors Field over the weekend, which is always a free-for-all. It's a hoopla. It's a hoop, man. Coors. But, man, they fucking looked amazing. Like Bellinger and Seeger and Betts and Will Smith, my guy. Like They're just incredibly talented, man. And there was that cat, that sweet-ass cat. That was a lot of fun. that thing was scary. I didn't even know. Like, I thought it was a wolverine or something. It reminded me of Finley. It didn't look like Finley, but it reminded me of, like, an outdoor cat that was, like, a psycho cat. Finley, rest in peace. Yes, R.I.P. Finley. Sorry. 
Yeah, the A's yeah. have the A's have looked terrible so far. They're they're zero and four. Olson, who had an amazing spring, hasn't gotten going at all. Matt Chapman looks lost at the plate. They're striking Montez out got like torched tonight. They're striking out like crazy. Uh, yeah, AJ Puck's been in here for the last inning and a half, and yeah, I mean the Dodgers get rocked on opening day, and Kershaw doesn't look good. But God, they were pissed the rest of that series. Yeah, you know this. Montas was a guy I was really not clear on. I was very confused about who he would be this year. And my gut instinct was usually to avoid him. But I think we got him in the tag team league with Eric Cross, which I'm not thrilled about. And I know Justin Mason was high on Montas this year, but I'm not sure. Uh, this one start, it's the Dodgers. That's a tough ass. Even in Oakland, Alameda, Shithole Coliseum, it's still a tough outing. So I'm not going to freak out from it. But I'm going to be really, really anxious to see what Montas's next start looks like. Two and two-thirds, seven earned runs, four strikeouts, three walks, one home run. <laughs> uh, yeah, that speaks for itself in essence. Um, so final thoughts here. The Mariners' offense to me looks awesome. I know I'm really, really feeling them. They're one of my favorite teams now. I just love what they got there with <laughs> yes. Mitch Hanniger and Ty France and Evan White and uh, so on and so forth. They, Kyle Lewis is even on the roster. Taylor... Trammell hit his first double, his first big league hit, and he drove in a run. It's just a fun-ass team, and I love Chris Flexen. That's a guy who was in the KBO. He's not mm-hmm. as old as you think he is either. He's only 26 years old. And he threw five innings, got the win on Saturday night. Rafael Montero closed it out. He looked good too. So I really like that team. A lot of fun players on that squad. Oh, I mean, we talked about Seattle a ton over the last couple months, and I was sure that J.P. Crawford was going to lead off, but it looks like Mitch Haniger is leading off. They got Ty yeah. France in the two-hole, Kyle Seeger, super dependable, and they got more guys coming. Jared Kalenic is going to make his debut here in the next couple months. If they can get some pitching, this is Logan a team, Gilbert, too. This is a team on the rise. Maybe not this year, but they got some good stuff working. Uh, what do you expect from the Nationals tomorrow? They're supposed to... <laughs> Supposedly play tomorrow. Opening day for the Nationals finally against the Braves with Max Scherzer going against Drew Smiley. What do you expect? Uh, th- that they hopefully play. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Let's like, they do play. Uh, well, what I'd like to know is just like, what have they been doing the last few days? Are they just like hunkered down in a hotel and no one's talking to anybody right now? Oh, your man Mercedes <laughs> just had a single. <laughs> hey, all right, you're mine. Uh, I know that the Mets were playing simulated games over the weekend to stay sharp for their game tonight. So I assume maybe the Nationals are doing the same thing, but I cannot confirm that at this time. I do know I want to see if Max Scherzer goes six innings or not. That's what I'm most curious about. Over or under Max Scherzer, six innings. You take the over or the under? I'm going to take the over. Ooh, okay. See, I would love to see that. He's going to give everything. I think I'd rather talk about does he go over 90 pitches. Yeah. I think he definitely goes over 90 pitches. Okay. Then he goes six innings. Okay. Well, that Braves offense off to a little bit of a slow start. It's a little quiet right now. But yeah, Mr. Mr. Acuna did this last year where he just was not good the first like 45 at bats and then he then he turned it on. So no need to worry. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I, why? I sometimes players start slow, Mike. It's okay. You just got to accept it and move forward. <laughs> I don't know why I keep calling Not everyone Mike, can be your man Mercedes. No, it's not fair. No, I'm excited for Casey Mize's debut tomorrow afternoon on a Tuesday. We'll see how that goes. That'd be nice. The Twins is a tall ass order, my friend. And they they proved today, Mr. Uh, Nelson Cruz, he was all over starting pitching. Also, like Jose Urania is not going to be on this team come July. 
Like Fuck he, no. He's, he's trash. He, they just needed to hold a spot until, you know, they, they get some innings for these other kids. Good riddance, man. I don't want that's, a, that's such a boring player. It takes all uh, the life and fun. Uh, yeah. Who's this man? God, Jose Arena is like, he's like the definition of like depression when it comes to baseball. <laughs> Tarek like, Skubal oh. looked okay the other day. No, oh, he looked great. He I, looked okay. That was fantastic. I, 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 was, I was pleased with it. He went five and a third. Bullpen fell apart after that, but he 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 looked impressive. He, he had some guys off off, uh, you know, a little off key and not 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 balanced. He had five strikeouts, so I think he looked pretty good. I'm really excited to see what Mize does because his last two starts in spring training was unbelievable. We'll see though. Twins are a tall order, like you said. Yeah, and I want to see James Paxton tomorrow night. See how he goes in his debut against the White Sox. That'll be intriguing. And Marcus Stroman makes his debut. He's been out. Since he hasn't pitched since 2019, he missed last year. So he'll make his debut in 2021 for the Mets tomorrow. I am very, very fond of Stroman. I'm excited about Stroman. And as far as, you know, two two stream pitchers this week, you know, a lot of them pitched today. Mm-hmm. And I already mentioned the ones I was a fan of. I liked Shoemaker and I liked Mats, and that worked out well. Uh, that's pretty much it. I like Ponce de Leon, too, and he was fantastic. He did really good. And yeah, Alex did. Reyes got the save. Alex Reyes got the save, who suddenly was the closer on opening day, which was more bullshit. All of a sudden, oh, yeah, it's opening day. We're going to tell you that Alex is the closer now. Are they just waiting for Jordan Hicks to get that arm completely healthy and and show that he can be the guy? I mean, he's got the he's got the lights out fastball, but I mean, who knows? There was Gallegos there. There was they got you know, a good Hicks, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially if uh, Mr. Reyes is going to be uh, as good as he can. And they've start. Did they start Martinez yet? Because yeah, he's going to start. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they need to throw him back to the bullpen. You pitched yesterday, I believe it was trash on Sunday. Ponce de Leon goes five innings, three hits. Fantastic. Jordan Hicks comes in next, and then it's Gallegos and Reyes. Right now, I think that's very realistic of what we can expect for the at least the next month or so. Hicks, Gallegos, Reyes. You know, I, I was a little pissed yeah. off today, too, because uh, Brandon Nimmo batted eighth for the Mets today. They let off Kevin Pillar. I know they were going against the lefty <laughs> today. Dom Smith's th- at. No Dom Smith. Yeah. But it's like, come on, if... if like Nimmo has proven that he can have quality at bats against left-handers, but they, they, they get into this like thought process. They're just like, Oh, he's absolute trash against lefties. Let's put Kevin Plar up there and bat him down on the Nimmo at the bottom of the order. And Nimmo got a hit and walked twice at the bottom of the order. So it's like, come on, man, put that guy at the top of the lineup. Yeah. Luis. Uh, what's his name? Luis. Oh God. What's the Mets manager's name? Luis Rojas. Sorry. Luis, Luis, Luis Garcia. Luis Rojas. Right. Sure. No, it's Luis Rojas. It is. I don't. I don't. I don't think I know all the managers in the league. Oh come on! Who's the Cardinals manager? Uh, <laughs> I really don't know. <laughs> it's Mike Schild. Oh, the oh, that's right. Schild. Schilded. Schild. Yeah. No, it is Luis Rojas. I, I was not kidding. That's his name. Luis I'm also Rojas interested to manager. see. Um, John Means on Wednesday against the Yankees because he was lights out opening day against the Red Sox or the the day after opening day, their first game. And uh, he's going to go against the Yankees tomorrow. He looked really good the other day. He did. He did. And the the Means believers are already chanting that they were right about him. We'll see. We'll see. I still think it's a tough division, and it's a long way before the season gets going. Also, also keep an eye on what happens with the Rays this week, specifically Ryan Yarbrough on Wednesday. Let's see if he can go 90 pitches. Forever.
he's always forever going to be under 90 pitches, I swear. But I would love to see that happen. And by the way, you mentioned Carlos Martinez. Uh, he wasn't god-awful, but it was five innings, four earned. But then the bullpen got destroyed by the Reds at that blowout game. But Jeff Hoffman on the other side, five innings, three hits, one earned, six Ks. I don't believe it. Now, Jeff Hoffman nope, was once a it. highly was. touted starting pitcher for the Blue Jays before he got traded in the Tulowitzki deal to the Rockies. I don't know. Yeah, well, something to think about. I mean, yes, he was he was a hot guy. Uh, he was a hot guy. He is a hot guy. Yeah, <laughs> he, he, really he just was. I think his uh, last name I looked it out on his uh, his like walk per nine was like six point five or something like that. I will tell you that also. The Reds are just they're they're balling out on desperation heaves because you got Jeff Hoffman, Jose De Leon, it's pretty decent tonight. He gave up a few walks and hits, but he struck out nine. And he's in this rotation right now. It's kind of surprising to me. It's really, really intriguing. I'm going to keep my eye on him. I think it, it was against the Pirates. You know, the Pirates aren't great. So maybe uh, take that for what it is. But I'm still focused in. Five innings, two earned runs, two walks, nine Ks. He was another hot name. He's moved to organizations a couple of times. Maybe he's finally found his home. Well, he's had major injury issues. It's just been a bummer for him. It's not cool. But uh, Sean Doolittle got the win, and this is one of the last things I want to mention. Sean Doolittle, I just got a feeling. I've had this feeling now for about 10 days. He's gonna <laughs> just get 10 this, days? <laughs> yeah, just the last 10 days okay. or so, give or take. And I feel like he's going to get this closer job. I really do. Okay. He, got, he got the win tonight, pitching earlier in the game, and his velocity was up, and it looks like he might be getting on track. Amir Garrett gave up a home run. To Brian Reynolds, he still got the save tonight, but he gave up two hits and a homer and a walk. That's not really great. That's not a great closer's line. And I just, even though people like Amir Garrett, I've never believed in him as the closer because he just gives up too much contact. Yeah, this so, could be the last run of uh, Doolittle. I mean, he was, you know, lockdown guy for a championship squad a couple of years ago. He's now 34. He'll be 35, not till the end of the year, not till September. So uh, yeah. proving he can do it before. And Garrett hasn't been in this position before where he is the ninth inning back of the end of the rotation guy. So we'll see what happens here. Uh, keep an eye on it. You like Doolittle. I'm, I'm not big on I don't Garrett. love him. I just think he's going to get in there. I mean, I'm not a big fan. I just... Yeah, I'm not big on Garrett. Garrett was pretty damn good in spring training, but, I mean, he's he's been known to be pretty volatile at times, too. Well, Lucas Sims threw an inning for him and got a strikeout clean inning, too. So he's, he's in the mix. Lucas like Sims, Lucas if he's Sims. healthy. I do, too. I I love Sims. I was worried about the elbow in preseason, but it looks like that's, that's good no longer pitched. an issue. Yeah. So maybe it is Sims. It's either going to be – I'll tell you this. This much I can say with clarity. It'll be either Sims or Doolittle. That much I do know at some point. <laughs> Not right now, obviously, not today, but that will happen at some point. And Nick Castellanos is on a tear to start the season, so I owe our pal, our sweet Georgian brother, Chris Clegg, an apology because I was giving him shit on last week's show when Cross and Clegg came on because he loves Castellanos. And I was like, well, I'm concerned about Castellanos with no NLDH. He can't play very good defense. They might pull him for defensive subs. You we'll overthought it. Goes. You overthought it. We 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 both loved him last year, and then he was like lights out the first week and a half, and then he didn't do anything like for most of the rest of the year. Yeah, not the first. But he's going to be. He's him. he's also going to be suspended two games. You see that? Yeah, well, it's appealing. Yeah, right. He's appealing because he stood over uh, Yadi Molina and taunted that, him. Ooh, that, was, that was fun. Yeah. We're gonna get all in your face and point out your faults. Just let people play. Don't be so critical, MLB. 
Wow. God, there's so much baseball that happened. There's so much more to talk about, but that's it. We'll end the show here. Man, keep an eye out on Fernando Tatis. This is for those on the live stream here. Obviously, podcast after the fact, you'll probably know more about this developing situation. I'm very concerned about it. But don't forget, you can follow me and Deary at Palazzo Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. And, of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's. Utah, give me two. You can follow Chris Deary at cdeary1999 and me at mjgovier, G-O-V is in Victor, I-E-R, on Twitter. Deary, uh, you also were promising some of those Shiner Ride the Pine results. Did yeah, you I'm, I'm, I'm almost done with it. I got super uh, just busy with some work stuff. I'm almost done with it. There's like four more episodes. The docket will be ready. I can't give you promises, but the hope is it'll be done by the end of the week. Fantastic. That sounds great. I'm really looking forward to that. No pressure, but I am actually really curious about some of that stuff. <laughs> there's far more There's far more players than I thought. There's like 400 players on there. Jesus Christ. It's nuts. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, you got some work to do. Take your time with it. Don't rush. Yeah. You know, we got a whole season of baseball though. We could focus on daily stats and results. Man, there were so many more box score things I want to get to. But we'll be back uh, later this week. Uh, I don't know. We we got to keep talking baseball. There's too much to talk about. So maybe yeah, we'll, uh, yeah. we'll pop in with some shorter episodes. I don't. We got to figure it out. We got to figure out our schedule. We got to figure out some new segments because a lot of our segments were off season related, like ADP <laughs> predictions. Fa- yeah, predictions. Takes, predictions. We're predictions. there now. What are we gonna do? Yeah, you're right. So now we have to come up with new stuff. So if you guys have ideas for us. Email the show, Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Or, of course, DM us, Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's. Utah, give me two. That's all for now. For Mr. Christopher Deary, I am Michael J. Govier. Thank you so much. We'll catch you on the flip side. Bye-bye. Right, lads. Now, I know there's not a faint heart among you. And I know you're as anxious as I am to get into close action. But we must bring him right up beside us before we spring this trap. That will test our nerve. And discipline will count just as much as courage. The Acheron is a tough nut to crack. More than twice our guns, more than twice our numbers. And they will sell their lives dearly. They mean to take us as a prize. (laughs) And we are worth more to them undamaged. Their greed will be their downfall. England is under threat of invasion. And though we be on the far side of the world, this ship is our home. This ship is England. So it's every hand to his rope or gun, quicks the word and sharps the action. After all, surprise is on our side. (laughs) Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.